Hi everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we are going to talk about continuous improvement, which is part of the Kaizen framework. We're gonna have three very specific examples to make it a bit more tangible for everyone, but also to get you going on how to execute it yourself. Enjoy. You know, who picked this one? Because this is so much better than this other thing. <laughs> <laughs> I pick both. Come on. <laughs> you don't like it anymore? No, I mean, I love this one. This is this is the shit. Yeah, this sometimes is... I listen to it just at home yeah. when I'm cooking or... I don't want to hear the podcast episodes. I just no, hear... then, then you're like, oh, Tony's voice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a while since I heard your voice. We've been on... Oh, I have been on break. You've been working hard. So mean you were on Easter break. That's yeah, what I said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Off to Sweden with the kids, relaxing. Oh, summer house or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was wonderful. Uh, and first time went for a hike, like off road with my son. He was wearing, you know, uh, boots, rain and boots. And you started carrying him on your shoulders after ten minutes. <sighs> so let's just say the landscape became a bit unwieldy. Yeah. And very wet. And I was wearing sneakers, <laughs> and he was like, "We can keep going." I was like. Okay, I'm already soaked. Let's let's go back now. <laughs> so you had to carry you back. Yeah, exactly. How old is he again? Five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I also had to carry him. You know, at the end, there's like a long slope up towards the house. I just see him lying down on the dirt. Oh, I can't walk anymore, Dad. Like, oh. <laughs> no, but that's the funny thing with those kids. They're like, it's kind of your fucking problem, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Are you going to delegate gonna let me, it? Let me die out yeah, here? Yeah, no. Yeah. So go. <laughs> But it's funny, I was thinking, uh, funny enough, I was thinking about uh, family life as I was preparing for this episode. Oh, is this the bridge to the episode? This is the bridge. Oh, I'm listening, crazy. I'm listening. I'm this listening. is crazy, right? So I was thinking about it because we were going to talk a bit about continuous improvement. And if there's something that's important when you run the business of family, it's continuous improvement. Okay, give me an example. Uh, outsourcing, cleaning could be one. Yeah. Uh, the other classic issue is what are we going to cook tonight? We haven't even gotten anything. So and then you do a blue apron basically. Or what? Yeah, exactly. So blue apron, you get healthy food, easy to cook and prepare. And, you know, so a bunch of things to just streamline production and gain a lot of time. Yeah. And have a happy family and spend time together. You know, it sounds so rosy. They're also no, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have an, an au pair and stuff. <laughs> that was a, that was a great investment. That's an upgrade. Um, and then it's really just waiting for them to go to, you know, daycare. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> so why, not, why not you're finally old enough, <laughs> yeah. you know, go to daycare. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good. It is good to be back, though. But so we're going to talk a bit about continuous improvement and basically how to create radical outcomes from mm -hmm. continuous improvement. So all of this stuff is Kaizen, right? Just to be yeah, very clear about this. It's within lean uh, mm -hmm. as a concept, as a concept, right? And it focuses a lot on reducing waste, improving quality and efficiency, ultimately to deliver the value faster, mm -hmm. and better, right? And the value in this case, just to be clear for us here, right? This is, uh, I mean, at the very end, it's delivering value to customers, mm. which then reflects uh, money being sent back to the organization yeah. and so forth, right? So that really should be the the ultimate outcome. It shouldn't be. Um, it shouldn't be uh, having more dashboards and Salesforce because no. maybe someone will at some point look at them. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> and obviously for this podcast, it's vanity metrics. That's the value driver. Yeah, yeah, that's of course. How, of what course. we optimize for. Yeah. No, but true. So the, the 
the problem I at least have observed sometimes is we are improving the wrong things over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Right. So you said it, dashboards is one area or Salesforce, let's make uh, this account exec happy because he's been nagging me for months without end on this whatever custom object or something we need mm -hmm. or he needs, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's totally fine to improve some processes if it's towards a certain value, but it has to drive an impact. And usually for anyone who deals with revenue, it's a revenue impact. It's a revenue have. impact. Uh, or it's a, it could also be reduced costs that either go into the bank or can be put into acquiring more revenues and stuff, right? It's yeah. really, it's, it's both of those uh, money levers, if you will. I think one of the issues around it sometimes is also um, this sole focus on your little area. Yeah. Um, you know, you have your Salesforce, you have your Houseport, you have whatever tool that you're focused, you have your commissions or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, whatever you're, you're looking at and you're trying to keep optimizing that box yeah. where the problem might be between your box and the box that you know sits, <laughs> sits next to you. The other that's, box. That's the problem, right? The API between those two boxes, that's the problem. Uh, not each of those efficient boxes themselves. Yeah, the API between boxes. That's there you go, good. I said it. I said I'm, it. I'm, sure I'm an engineer, really. Yeah, I'm sure it's on some website somewhere. There's a SaaS company that does that. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Uh, so I think let's just spend, you know, a couple of minutes talking about continuous improvement, what it is and why it actually matters, mm -hmm. right? That's that's really the first, first step because you can do all kinds of things. Why should you even bother with continuous improvement? Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's this one example that I recently heard and or read. Um, I, it's, so we're, we're both reading this book from Inside Partners, this yeah. what Unicorns Unicorn. Know thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's cool. I think we're going to touch on some of those topics actually kind of throughout the show. I think it's going to be uh, fairly interesting. But I, I, one one example that stood out for me there uh, around this whole topic of continuous improvement, um, they're very like heavy on this Formula One <laughs> metaphor and ana analogy. It's like, like it's, cars. It's, 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 it's a, a car factory the, and then yeah, it's yeah, Formula I know, One. I know. Um, but, you know, one thing that stuck with me was back in the 70s uh, when they were obviously also doing Formula One races and those cars had to come in for a pit stop as, mm. as they do today. As some of you might know, it takes literally two seconds <laughs> today to change four tires and to um, gas up the car. Yeah. Two seconds. Pretty fucking insane yeah. right there, by the way, <laughs> when you think about this. Now, um, was it always like that? No. Uh, in the 70s, so what is that? Oh, wow, it's 50 years ago. Yeah. I'm just realizing that. <laughs> it's 50 years ago. <laughs> 50 years ago, uh, the average pit stop time was 50 to 60 seconds. Yeah. Think about that. We're not even talking one order of magnitude. We're, we're talking, you know, at least two orders of magnitude of uh, how that thing actually improved mm. by little tiny tweaks, right? Yeah. Um, it's not that they jump from, oh, we know we could actually use a power power drill or whatever <laughs> to take the, the wheels off. No, they had that for a while. It's not that they came up with that yesterday, um, but it's really those ongoing thousands of mini improvements yeah. that then stack up over time and then you go down from 50 seconds to two seconds, right? Yeah. And if you, if you think about it like that, um, a business, and especially a SaaS business, uh, lives under the same uh, power law, if you will, right? Yeah. Kind of as you stack up all of those little improvements uh, and you're able to keep them, um, you will over time reap more and more and more and more benefits from that. Yeah. 
and it also becomes a competitive advantage if you're yeah. if you're being honest, right? If you yeah. have a nail nail process here, and the other thing is also it will compound those improvements, yep. just just as the case here with uh, Formula One, right? So that's super powerful. And 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 you know, just in straight up words, right? What does it mean? It usually means removing any kind of waste in yeah. the process, um, removing any kind of friction, so things that slow things down or lead anyone to double think or lead a customer to question something. Mm. Um, and, and generally speaking, um, as, as things happen, which happens then in a process, trying to improve them, cut things out, add things that are more value adding and so forth, right? So this is really, this is at the end of the day, how, how continuous improvement um, actually looks like. Yeah. So we wanted to run through a couple of real examples yeah. that we have lived and also bring some examples mm-hmm. outside of that just to to bring more perspective into yeah. it. So I think lean and Kaizen and continuous improvement, all of these are uh, high five words. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh yeah, ooh, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do more of continuous improvement, yeah, please. Yeah. Um the 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 reality is sometimes people think like, well, you know, in our business you can't really do that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of impossible for me as a RevOps or for me as, you know, whatever. Yeah. You can't really do that. And um, so we're going to wholeheartedly call BS on this. Um, And we're going to have a few examples that we just wanted to talk through, right? So let's jump into the first one. Think about your, and it's super down to earth, think about your outbound sales process. So let's just say SDRs and the folks around that. Obviously, outreach, sales loft, all of those engagement tools, you can have those cadences and you see which one perform better and so forth. I think this is its own uh, center of continuous improvement, tweaking those um, tweaking those emails or optimizely on your website is almost the same idea. Um, we wanted to focus on, on something uh, slightly different, which is really what happens on the phone. You know, when you think about that, the outbound process, the superpower of that person running that is that they can pick up the phone. Now, is that going to change anytime soon? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But when you break it down, what um, what you realize is that it's actually, in in reality, it's really difficult to try and improve what happens on those phone calls, yeah. right? You hire those SDRs, you give them a bit of an onboarding, you then throw them you throw them on the phone, uh, and when you sit next to them as a RevOpser, you will cringe the first couple of times. <laughs> and then after a while, you either get used to it or they get better and then they you know, eventually end up smashing it. Yeah? Uh, or not. So continuous improvement in that sense is this is something that um, my VP of sales in the US and I was more on the sidelines of that. Um, but what he implemented with the, with the SDRs is a script. Wow. And everyone was like, Tony, you can't do scripts. And, you That's know, from the 60s. We're not, we're not robots. <laughs> yeah. And this is just, you know, we're all intellectuals and, uh, and knowledge workers. And this is just not how the world works. And it's like, okay, 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 I get that. But uh, let's still do a script then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> yeah. Not listening. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the reality of it is, first of all, this VP of sales, um, very experienced, obviously, and, you know, has yeah. done uh, all the outbound stuff himself as well at some point. Uh, he had to sit down and actually write out the script. Yeah, and that was super weird when I read it. I was like, "Wow, is this actually you know what we're gonna say?" And um, and then we had a conversation. That was kind of great around that already. But then the uh, the way we angled it was okay. If you are a, a super SDR 
out of RAM, super successful, high-fiving all along. You know what? Uh, throw the script away. We don't care. Yeah. Do your own thing. Um, I think genius in that sense, you can't script that out. Um, but what we ended up focusing on is like, well, if you're not a genius, and you know, yeah, lot, lot, lot of us aren't. Yeah. Um, having a script to work off actually makes them accelerate throughout ramp and so forth a lot faster, right? Mm -hmm. So on their second call, they sounded like, you know, somewhat experts already in that yeah. field, right? And kind of going through this process, number one, you needed to write it down, documentation, yeah. very important. Then you train people on it. Then So they, they need to adapt what was written in this document. And then you could actually coach them because you had now a benchmark, you had a comparison. They were on the phone, we recorded those calls, Ren Gong, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and we could now say, instead of, ah, you know, your your tone of voice <laughs> there was a bit <laughs> off. Yeah. I think you should have paused here a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and I think the word, this one word, yeah. you shouldn't use this again. Instead of this random, uh, non-frameworked and uh, almost unusable feedback, mm. The team now could give, hey, you went off script here. Why? Yeah. Just tell me why. And if, if it's a good explanation, then you know what? I totally get it. And let's work it into the script. Uh, if not, then I would like you to stay with the script again. Yeah. Um, you know, working through this, doing the pitch, having um, then, you know, at some point that call obviously becomes a little more loose than yeah. having a structured questioning uh, process or a tree structure almost, right? Um, and then getting obviously the result out. And, and what that helped us with was uh, number one, you know, from documentation to adaptation, you know, coaching those people on this yeah. thing, very powerful. But then also, as we came up with new things, as competitors emerged, as, you know, new features uh, from us were developed and so forth, we basically had this document uh, that we then could change and tweak and update and improve. Yeah. Uh, and that document then became the new coaching baseline for the SDRs. Uh, which then means they adopted pretty quickly what was written in there and see there, meetings book went up, yeah. right? And then again, right, we had the, hey, we're not everyone should be working over script, yada, yada. We then, as, as people were hitting targets, we were allowing them to go off script. Um, and if they weren't hitting targets, which, by the way, happened more than you think. Yeah, People use this script, are super successful. They think it's just their genius. Yeah, yeah. Then they jump off, do it willy-nilly, um, and then, you know, once they missed a, a month's target, they were back on the script. Yeah. That's kind of how we did it. Um, and this is a, this was an ongoing improvement process that we could run there. Yeah. But it's also funny when you look at, uh, you know, Michelin star restaurant, we mm -hmm. used that example in the past. If one chef starts going a bit rogue mm -hmm. with the sauce or the meat or whatever, mm -hmm. then it's not going to be consistent anymore. Then it's going to be challenging for them. And I think that's, that's the powerful part. But the downside is then how do you find the new dish, the new path forward. And I'm, I'm curious to hear how did you, so one thing is obviously your competitor and features and that's all cool, but there are conversations happening. Did the SDRs actually have any say or input to improve the script and, and adapt, you know, change it along the way? Yeah, of course. The I think the, uh, and it wasn't only the SDRs who could change, it was also the team leads and so forth. It was yeah. not just this one guy. Uh, <laughs> I had but, all the power. Um, but obviously it became a topic of conversation. Mm. Which is which is kind of what you want. It's it's less so that people say exactly those words. It's yeah. it's more that this is this is the the core of it. And you know, you used the um, the Michelin star analogy. 
I was much more going into, you know, this is why software engineering and building a product is just so much better because you basically have, your documentation is your source code. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Uh, and then your adaptation is you um, update the code and suddenly the product <laughs> works differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Boop, yeah. you know, update it. And um, uh, when you work with people, you don't have that, you don't have, you don't have that. No. You can't just you know, push an update and then expect everyone to to go and do it. And I think Kaizen and continuous improvement is basically trying to create a culture and a process yeah. uh, around doing exactly that though, right? Yeah. Uh, creating something that, you know, obviously has to do with uh, responsibility, accountability, documentation, the most boring thing on this planet, but so key because it basically creates the baseline for improvement. So mm. what are we actually improving on? Yeah. Um, but then also eventually it's the baseline for, ah, okay, this is the new updated standard operating procedure or whatever, whatever yeah, you're going to yeah. call it to then, you know, become new reality. Yeah. I mean, we've, I remember we started documenting a bunch of things. This was also a sign of a more maturing mm. organization that you had time for that. But it makes sense to document the learnings. And we had it, especially with all the events we ran back in the day. Because in the beginning, it was just testing, mm. to be honest. And then we started figuring out, ah, okay, it works. And it works really well if account executives book meetings in advance. Mm. We need to follow up, not, you know, the week after. We need to follow up the day of the event ending mm. with an email. And like all those best practices you adopt and you can perfect mm. uh, basically the execution by documenting that yeah. whole thing. So I think that's cool. Um, I, I think also, on, you know, this is shout out to documenting. <laughs> I hope you're listening. <laughs> um, no, but uh, you know, it's it's almost if you, it's almost like a test. Yeah. If you can't document it, it it's not a process. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, if uh, if you write something down and you show it to someone and they're like, mm, no, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think this works like that. Then you you basically have a way now to realize, oh, there's a problem here. Yeah. I think you could implement a lot of change very quickly in your organization, just start writing down stuff and then give it to people that actually are doing it. And then here, if they're doing it like this, and then you will be like, oh, you know what? This is uh, dumb. We should <laughs> we should probably change something here or align people or whatever. But you know, also the funny thing is when you start a new job, there there's never any process you can read through. So you're like, hey, um, how do I do this thing? Oh, sorry, we don't know. No, like Paul, who did this before you left and he, he had the keys. I don't no, know how it works and no, you'll I think, figure it out. I think so. Everyone is praising documentation for onboarding purpose and we're actually going to have it in, in an example <laughs> for that yeah. in a second. But at the same time, I think documentation for onboarding purpose, at least for me, it's a little bit like, oh, here's a new laptop, uh, but you need to read the manual first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, no, I won't. No. I will just open it up and I'll play around. If I fuck it up, I don't care. You know, I'll mm. try it again. Um, and, uh, you know, there's different people have different mindsets around that. Yeah, but yeah. going into the next example here, uh, and we stayed on the sales side for uh, just this one because it's also super tangible. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> AE onboarding. <laughs> Uh, onboarding new account executives, new sales reps. Yeah. And uh, there's always this uh, ramp time. Yeah. Ramp. Uh, I can't do anything again, you know, about it. It's just what it is. And it's, I don't know, it might be nine months. It might be six months and so forth. And, um, you know, we were discussing how can we actually apply Kaizen to your ramp up period? How can we shrink ramp up period? Yeah. Uh, why do you want to shrink ramp up period? Well, number one, 
while an AE is in ramp up, uh, it's less efficient, probably the least efficient that you can have and count exactly yeah. the salary going out. Number two, you are creating a more resilient sales team because if someone needs to leave because of performance or is leaving because they're going somewhere else, uh, the time to replace that person suddenly goes from nine months to three months. Yeah. yeah? Think about it like that. Um, so how can you do uh, Kaizen or continuous improvement with uh, AE uh, in, in particular? So I think ramp time has two main components to it. One is um, the, uh, you know, the at-bats you mm -hmm. get. So how many opportunities do you get and when? I think if you analyze your account executive team and see how many opportunities you distribute to them during ramp up, you will probably see that the opportunities ramp up just yeah. as much. Um, and see there, there will be a correlation between how many opportunities you give them and you know what revenue target they hit, you know, shocker. Um, <laughs> and how can you improve that? Well, you could give them more opportunities earlier, yeah. for example, right? But then also number two, it's not only the, the opportunities in terms of the tries and the, the 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 chances they get it's also their knowledge and their skill about converting those opportunities yeah. right uh, and for me it always broke down into you know four main buckets and there are probably more some sales enabled folks listening they were probably like oh Tony you missed those 20 other things but it's basically product knowledge and understanding right you want to be able to uh, do a decent demo you want to have an understanding of your persona's pain and, and uh, ways to question into that you want to have an understanding of your competitors and how to maneuver and deal with that. Mm. Uh, and you want to have a good understanding of how to do objection handling. So what are the most common objections and how should you deal with those? And here it comes, let's just say you focus only on objections. Yeah, We could do the other things as well, but let's just say only objections. Having a... So we know from Growblox, there are only so many objections you can get. Yeah, <laughs> And uh, having a really good way to deal with them is going to help your ease to close more business. Yeah. Uh, do you actually have those objection handling pieces written down somewhere? Uh, all the ease coming up with that themselves all the time? Yeah. So uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying AE demos should be scripted, not in the mid-market and up. If it's SMB, it's maybe a little bit different. Yeah. But you should, number one, have a pro, a macro process for the sales process itself, yeah. right? From deal created to solution fit and whatever. So that's your CRM setup. Yeah. You should have a process for how a discovery call looks like and how a demo looks like and so forth. Um, a structure, not a script. And you should have uh, good material to teach them how to deal with specific competitors, with specific objections and so forth, right? And as you, first of all, document that stuff, that will be an eye-opening moment in itself. Yeah. But then number two, uh, what you then need to achieve is you need to make sure that not only is a document written, uh, but it's also being used, yeah. the adaptation piece of that, right? The, the code needs to be pushed and then suddenly needs to be used. Um, which you will do through coaching and sales enablement and making sure that people are saying what they're supposed to be saying. Um, and then you need to create a culture, which is, you know, Kaizen in that sense, where the responsible folks, AEs, mm -hmm. and the accountable folks, AEs and managers and so forth, are starting to improve this thing, right? So Kaizen, the idea is also very much about improvement is not a thing that you do while you're, not working on the Toyota plant or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Improvements come up as you work. Yeah. 
That's that's like a, a main idea behind this. And improvements come up also from the people that do the work because they're much closer to reality than, than anyone else, right? So it really is a responsibility of the AEs and the and the managers to take that script, you know, all those objections, update them, improve them, uh, not only what to say, but also how, how to deal with that, right? You don't want to, someone says, I don't know, has a pricing problem, uh, and the first thing should be, okay, 20% off. Yeah. The first thing should be, why? What's, you know, are, are you not seeing the value? Are you just trying to optimize the deal? Or are you just trying to kill this deal by talking about pricing, right? Yeah. So what what is it actually that's the problem here? Ah, okay, you you actually see the value. You're just optimizing the deal. Okay, let's focus on that. Yeah. Which is a completely different objection uh, to handle than um, uh, I don't see the value, Yeah. right? You, you can you can cut that down, or you can rather try and improve the value instead, right? Um, and having some of that documented and written down and then improved up on, yeah, that's a that's that's a superpower, um, and um, that is continuous improvement in that sense. Yeah, I think what's really cool is we could easily have talked about well, it's about establishing responsibility, accountability, and having all these things, but actually having it documented is what leads you to be be able to improve and run those continuous improvements just just what you said around hey we we want to have uh, a fast ramp up time of an AE so they need a set amount of opportunities well do you have a documented process to make sure that you can then produce those opportunities and by when and what type of opportunities and then you can start tweaking from there maybe it's better that they get certain types versus others in the beginning to ramp faster that's where you can start improving mm -hmm. so we had a last example. Yes, and that was uh, it, it's going a little bit in the in the meta uh, sphere versus the SDR and AE scripting, um, but but we know that that many folks have either a a budget or a go to market plan or or a data model or whatever they call it, um, and obviously kind of they have that available in a spreadsheet. Yeah, right. That's how that works, right? And when you think through Kaizen in that sense, um, really what that means is um, you have a documented piece of, of reality, which is great, right? You can use that. You can uh, either change that as reality changes or you can yeah. use it to change reality, right? It's kind of a, a um, you know, sim symbiosis in, <laughs> in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I think what sometimes needs to be considered here is who is actually sitting with the responsibility of the revenue engine and who is actually sitting with the accountability of the revenue engine in that sense, right? Mm. And, and again, defining those two different things, responsibility is usually task-related, so doing something until you're responsible to pick up... Uh, Milk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I was also going to the family direction. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, <laughs> type us. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, really... It's about the accountability that everyone is getting fed, or that you know you can change, yeah, uh, can change, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and and I think what what we found talking to many uh, teams out there is really that the gap between the folks that are responsible and accountable for not you know making those calls, creating those opportunities, but ultimately hitting revenue targets is split from the teams that are doing the documentation and the adaptation. Yeah. Um, and that actually creates quite a fundamental gap that um, can't be bridged usually yeah. because stuff is locked up in the spreadsheet, right? Um, what you probably want to do in order to get this circle going of in continuous improvement here, you want to have the people that are responsible and accountable. Um, 
you want to have them be able to go in and work with that thing and understand what's going on and then try and figure out what's the best path forward, but also try and see adaptation potential yeah. in the future, right? And in my case, and maybe that's different for other people out there, in my case, if I were to give a spreadsheet like that to my VP of sales and ask him or her anything about it, it would just not happen. Yeah. I would probably not even do it because I would be worried about this breaking afterwards, right? And then it usually ends up, and it's so funny, we talk to like a um, kind of a 10x unicorn or I don't know, big, multiple unicorn. Yeah, Decacon. Um, Decacon, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I was like, Fuck, what was that I was like how long should I leave you <laughs> searching? For? No, kidding. Um, <laughs> and basically they, they had the same problem and they ended up... Um, making weird screenshots of the Excel spreadsheet, no. putting in slides. So Because slides was the only way you could interact, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it was like, ah, you know, I think this number is wrong. Okay, let me redo the whole deck. Or, ah, you know, what if we could do this? And it's like, oh, let me come back in two weeks so we have all of that computed through and then we can show you. Yeah. Um, and that, that basically breaks this continuous improvement cycle that you really want to try and establish on your whole revenue engine instead of on the micro level, on the SDIE level we just discussed. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, uh, Mikkel, so we went through quite uh, quite a lot here today. Yeah. Uh, really sure looking and continuous improvement and taking away from this, uh, I feel sometimes very abstract yeah. concept uh, and breaking it down into how could you as a RevOps CRO revenue leader actually apply this and um, and improve things tangibly, yeah. you know, taking the pit stop from 50 seconds to two seconds. I think that's a, that's an improvement right there. Um, you know, doing doing that uh, by looking at two, three different examples: yeah. SDR scripting and and how to work with that, AE demo structure or sales process structure, and then really uh, revenue engine tweaking, making that accessible for both teams, not only the one responsible for documenting, but also the ones uh, that are accountable for it. Um, and and we hope that uh, you know some of that approach can be used also in your revenue engine and in, in your sales organization. Um, so that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Unless you want to add something, Michael. Yeah, I mean we've talked about a bunch of things now. I think we're coming up closer to episode 50. We might need like five or six more episodes, something like that. Mm. Um, if there's something you want us to go deeper into, something you really you know have a burning question or subject you really care about that yeah. you would love to get our take on drop us a message either on linkedin or an email or at podcast at program.com we have an email address and uh and fire away we, we'd be happy to hear anything you'd be curious on we're doing it for you who's listening mm -hmm. and uh we want to provide as much value as we can that's a great way to do it so uh appreciate if you send us an email thank you so much today thanks for listening thanks nicole thank you tony uh, bye, -bye.